Hi, I'm David Pogue. Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your digital home for the RVing lifestyle. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com for additional information about each episode. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you once again from our at-home studio. This next month... The lavish bedroom studio. This upcoming (laughs) month, we're going to be away, but we've timed this trip much better in that we will be able to talk to you again from our at-home studio right after we get back. You know, when I came home in May, I said, boy, there's a lot of time, the three whole months at home, at home, and we're going to have a good time, and we're going to get all sorts of stuff done. Did you and- have a bad time? No, I didn't have a bad time, but boy, is the time going by in a hurry. Spoken like a, a aging person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, am I getting old? <laughs> oh, But it just seems like the summer's flown by, even though it's been very hot, and we haven't really done all that much. But we haven't been bored for a minute. We haven't done any RVing. Well, we did. A little. Well, we had a fabulous experience RVing here. We're in Napanee? Yes. Oh. <laughs> I just really hate going to that area. It hey, always means... But if you have to get repairs... Something is not working right. And usually I go on a rant and rave that when you go to a repair facility with your RV and you have an appointment at 7 o'clock, they make you sit around till 9 o'clock when they finally get to it. <laughs> not this time, ladies and And then and they promise you it'll be ready by the end of the day and then it's not. And I just have steam coming out of my ears. But when but, we checked into the Newmar service facility and the lovely receptionist said to us, oh, they're going to come and get your rig at 6 a.m. Right. All right. And we uh-huh. said to each other, oh, that's 5 a.m. for our Central Standard Seven, Time yeah. bodies. Uh, lo and behold, it's 6 a.m. 6.10. There they were. I was out there unhooking and making things ready for the big trip to the service center. When you buy a motorhome, when you buy an, an RV of any kind, you don't really plan on having it fixed, do you? Well, I would say well, what you've been doing the last three months at home has been a lot of fixing things too. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you don't you don't think about the necessity for having it repaired. But and you I, should. And I know, and that's one of the problems that I think people have is is that they buy this new rig and then they expect it to work forever and not have it fixed. And you but, and you RV because it's fun and you're, it's vacation time and you're not mentally prepared for having hassles like you are on Monday when you go to work and you know that things may not flow as smoothly as they should when you jump in your rig you want to be ready to go and i certainly would concur with that however as the reality sets in you find out that things do go wrong and i think that it's worth it to think about this up front when you buy your rig when you buy your rig because one of the things that we have really been pleased with i think is newmar service and we took the tour of the newmar facility a three and a half hour tour of newmar fabrication facility and it was very impressive but also very impressive was the fact that they say we've been in business 30 years and we fix every rig we've ever made and they just built this huge new repair facility which on one hand you say ooh <laughs> that's a lot of service bays there must be a lot of problems but on the other or, hand or I've helped them pay for all that stuff <laughs> that's what I thought to myself <laughs> And on the other hand, you say, wow, if I need repairs, uh, they're going to help me out and take care of it no matter what the problem is. 
But when you're waxing glowing hair, which indeed you should, <laughs> it is an amazing service facility. I have to also mention to our listeners that we began working on this problem the first week in February, according uh-huh. to my lengthy email correspondence with the repair people at Numar. And my final comment to them late early last spring uh, was please give us an appointment ASAP and ASAP in February meant that we didn't get in until the end of July the end of July so which which is very disappointing if you have the kind of problem where you can't move I don't know what to say Um, from one point of perspective having a factory sponsored campground across the street from the 35 bays that they have to fix RVs is very comforting as a buyer and they've made it as convenient as they can they even put in a little laundromat so if you have (laughs) a lengthy repair stay somebody who's there for over a week and they even put in a pet room because apparently in the past their previous customers were fighting between the pet people and the non-pet people so now in the waiting room they have two separate waiting rooms so you can be with your own kind (laughs) your own kind well we are definitely not pet people so we would uh, and which one was bigger well which one had more people in it the pet people kind Um, well a lot of people rv because they want to travel with their pets but i can say that the campground wasn't full but the service facility was packed and we still don't know what's going to happen because we haven't gotten it back yet because we don't get it back for a few more days we were lucky enough to be able to drive down there drop it off and then come home and as you know they are recovering our seats uh, the driver's seat and the passenger seat the fabric has completely disintegrated and was leaving little blops all around as Martha and I sat in our seats and so they're having them recovered and we're, they're paying 50% of the cost which is still expensive as you probably heard us say back in February or March when I was <laughs> we've been complaining about it that really long <laughs> ranting and raving with all my email exchanges with them um, this is not a problem unique to us or to Numar but it seemed to be that period during the recession when RV uh, manufacturers were trying to cut some corners and make their rigs more affordable. And this was uh, a bad decision on their part, which they recognize now. But those of us who bought rigs that were made at that time Mm -hmm. um, are all dealing with this problem. And and across the board, uh, many manufacturers still having that problem. But one of the questions, I, I guess, is if you're buying used... I think you can buy with confidence a Numar and, and realize that if you have a problem, it will get fixed eventually. But other manufacturers have cut off the time that you can have a, a, an old coach fixed. Um, so you might want to consider that when you're buying a used coach. I how mean, do you, our, our how advice, do you find that out? Well, you'd have to look up and look read up what where? Their, how would I know? <laughs> Well, how do you know this? I know because I've read about it. I know the manufacturer you're referring to, but how how would you know? And it starts with a T. <laughs> but how would you know? Because they just instituted the policy fairly recently. Because in the Numar lot there was a fifth wheel, and they only made those for a short period. Yeah, but it was of time. in 2012. Yeah, was but, it that new? That right? uh, that's what it said. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So, well, regardless, uh, it's worth it to look up how you're going to have your, your old rig fixed uh, should it have problems. I don't know what Winnebago's policies are. Or and, and I guess my final advice wood. to you is if you and, still have a sticks and bricks house, um, <laughs> make sure you live in a part of the corner well, of the country is, where there are fixing uh, facilities. Somebody sent me an email about, you know, they were thinking about buying a used RV, and they said, what are the considerations should I give besides obviously the cost? And I said... Uh, 
several things I think that are that are critical. One is how close is the factory so that if you have to take it in for repair. He was in Texas, and so I recommended someplace south. And a number two is you don't want a vehicle that has very low mileage on it if it's old. I just read about somebody who had like a 1999 that had 15,000 miles on it. And what's the problem with that? Everything has seized up. Everything has seized up. And we're experiencing that for our very own selves with our washing machine. We came to use our in-rig washing machine, which is a Splendid, a very nice machine. and Only we, a few years old. And we found out that it didn't work right because I think that it had been sitting too long. We don't, we don't know. We don't know, but it has given us some problems. And it's, of course, out of warranty and blah, 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 blah. But where's Splendid located? Um, in Oregon. <laughs> where's the Splendid Distribution Center? Fix-it place. Elkhart, Indiana. They say that they are all over, but when we've called them in the past, um, most Splendides seem to be in small apartments, and those repair people don't want to come into an but RV. But the one in Elkhart will fix, yeah. as we found yeah. out, because yeah. they fixed our last one. Right. But if you have an old rig that has very few miles on it, I would be very suspicious that things will go bad. And I was just reading about somebody on Facebook today who had an older rig and was out driving, and the first time they drove it, it was okay. Did you read that too? Yes. Yeah, and they came, the second time they got stuck on the entranceway to the expressway, and the transmission wouldn't go into gear. And He had no fluid. He had the, no fluids in his the transmission. Line, the line had broken. broken and stuff. You know, oh. the oh. <laughs> just problems that you just don't want to have in your older rig, even at a good price. So, where do we go next? To the Galapagos. We don't want to talk about that now. We'll talk about that next month. But I'm excited. I know. I know. I'm excited, too. But We leave just in a few days. We should speak with specificity. Have you packed your suitcase? Um, yes. How many pounds do you get? How many pounds will it hold? No. Because we're going business class, we get well, a lot. But, but, you're, but you're only allowed to bring 50 pounds. Yeah. Very different than RVing. Oh, always. This is very consternating for us. <laughs> As often as we've so, gone places. So how, are, how are you coping with <laughs> as much weeping one teeny-weeny little suitcase? I thought it would be a little simpler this time because we're only going to one country <laughs> and one climate zone, but wrong again. Because <laughs> uh, Quito, the capital, is in the mountains and we're going up into the Andes, so it's going to be cool there. Uh, we're going into the Amazon, which we assume will be hot and humid, so we need light clothing for that. And we're going to be on the ocean. Such problems. Such problems. So the usual usual, a little bit of everything is crammed into my suitcase. And I bought a new camera. Of course you did. <laughs> I actually sold my waterproof camera and bought a new one. You've done that before. You did that before we went what to Australia, too. What a great idea. <laughs> so now, you wouldn't want to go to the Galapagos without having your all-weather camera, would you? I don't own an all-weather camera. So how are you managing to go, then? I just go and cross my fingers. <laughs> that it doesn't rain? No, I got through the rain in Antarctica with that camera. Well, anyway, I bought the new Olympus TG6, which is their all-weather camera, which you can use underwater, you can use it in the rain, you can step on it, you can stomp on it, and it's ready to go. And one of the cool new features that it has is focus bracketing or or stacking. And this is very cool because it does it in camera. So that takes a long time to do, too. <laughs> no! Say, well, you said it takes a long time to make panoramas, that camera. This camera does not do very well with panoramas. But the it's focus a very nice stacking, camera. it's fast? Well, it takes it 10 seconds. 
that's not too bad. So it has a microscope mode, which I had never heard of before, but you can focus within like a centimeter of the front of the lens. And then if you use that plus focus stacking. Now, what is focus stacking? Um, as I understand it, not having it in my own camera, you take a series of pictures in rapid succession that are focused slightly differently, Ooh. and then the camera maximizes the focus of Ooh. all those pictures in terms of its final not product. maximizes, but... Well, it chooses the maximizing parts of each picture. Right. It, the whole picture looks like to it's make in a focus. practically making, perfect final Making product. it look like it has infinite depth of field. Yeah, but... In the past when I've done this, it's remember I did this uh, when we did oh. the, <laughs> at the uh, gem show in Tucson. I took pictures of it you was know, like piles he, of gems and things. He set the computer up to do this, and we went out to lunch, and we came back, and it was still working on it. <laughs> it was so slow. Well, it took quite a few pictures. But this new camera... It has two two capabilities, one in-camera and the other one uh, that it will just take the pictures and you can focus stack at them at a later date using Photoshop or something. But uh, the in-camera one works pretty well. So I took some pictures of bees and things, and the whole bee was in focus and the flower was in focus. and So that's kind of a cool feature. It is. And brand new to this camera. And you know how to do it. That's even more well, I'm practicing. Important. I'm practicing. i got to go out and take lots of pictures. Capture Galapagos. Fill up those hard drives. On to... Oh, this is the RV Navigator for August 2019. Okay. Well, we've got to get in the contact information. And, and, and if you'd like to visit us at thervnavigator.com, you can. And you could send us an email, which would prompt us to send you an email in return. If you have questions or comments, we always like to hear from you. And I've gotten numerous comments this month, and we definitely appreciate it. And some of them you'll be hearing about in a minute. This is episode number 172. Wow. And all of your great thoughts that don't fit into the podcast, you That's put right. on the webpage at rvnavigator.com. Well, I put... And the calendar for next month. The calendar next month is fabulous. I haven't looked at I it. I just... It's right here. You can look at it right I'm here. Not, you don't have to show it to me right now. There it is. Oh, there Whoa. it is. Is that a nice picture or what? Do we take that with Nooners? Is uh, it that yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In California. Hey, Al, this was taken with you. Yeah. And Beautiful. you can have it for free with the September calendar built into it automatically as your background picture or your favorites. So um, we appreciate you sending us emails and contacting us. What Isn't it the say? August calendar? No. The August calendar, it's always the month ahead. The August calendar is already there. Isn't it July now? <laughs> no, this episode is the August episode. <laughs> For the September calendar. Pardon me, ladies and gentlemen. I will bring her up to speed <laughs> next time before we start the podcast. <laughs> she okay, I get it. Well, that brings us to old age. <laughs> we had kind of an interesting email from somebody who said that they were wishing they could be on the road like us, but their par their old parents have kept them kind of connected up at home and they've had to take care of them and then they've had to take care of their neighbors or they well they've been kind enough when they saw some old neighbors to to help out with them and of course this is a tough issue how do you handle your old age <laughs> and this is something we've been struggling with this summer because we realize that we are getting a little bit older and the Narvi navigator turns 70 
The co-pilot, the co-pilot turned turns, 70. The navigator turned... <laughs> older than that. <laughs> older than dirt. So the RV navigator is more than 70, and the navigator is now 70. And we are something we hadn't heard of before. Senior orphans. Senior orphans. Now, is that kind of a nice term? Well, that just means we don't have any kids to pass our... To, to pass on our vast wealth to or to take care of us in our old age. Either one. N- nobody will get our RV when we die. No. Oh, well, well. Somebody will, but... We'll sell it on the RV Navigator website. We we probably got onto this topic last winter when we heard a, a lawyer speak at the Great Outdoors where we spent the winter in Florida, and he put us onto the fact that there is a network of lawyers that specialize in working with geezers and their problems. He gave us a website to consult, and uh, we found uh, a, a lawyer who was part of that network uh, near where we live, and we have spent the summer visiting with her, giving her lots of money, and figuring well, out not lots. how Fair. to take care of things when we can no longer take care of things and that includes financial stuff as well as health care related stuff we know many of our friends who have children just think well bobby and Susie will take care of me and that's certainly the role that we both played with our own parents yes but uh, for me in particular being kind of a solo act in this regard um it was a huge burden and now that i've met with experts in this field i realize that i I could have done a much better job if I had been more on top of the situation and because you were naive about resources and how to do things as as people age. So it's very clear to us that we need to make what plans we can for ourselves while we are still in our right minds. At the top of our form. (laughs) Even though I don't know what month it is. And so we have spent the summer working on this. This is one of the reasons why the summer has flown by. Flown by, right. We've had a lot of meetings and setting up papers. And I guess, you know, one of the things we've learned that you might want to be cautious about is not to put your kids on your bank statements or or as part owner of your home or part owner of your RV because if they have financial problems, those assets can go right down the tubes if they're sued. And that's could be a serious problem for you that were planning on having that as your retirement. I I want to reword that slightly. Everybody's situation is different. This was um, what we did with our parents. They put us on their bank accounts and our our lawyer said, ooh, that might have been a bad idea for the reasons that Ken just mentioned. So you don't always know the ramifications of the decisions that you make like that. Um, In our parents' case, it worked out very well. Um, We could handle their money when they no longer could. We didn't steal it from them until they were gone, and then it was really ours. Right. And, and it all worked and it made, very, and it made the inheritance very easy, very smooth and easy. But we were straightforward and honest with them, and we didn't have any financial problems of our own. And of course, our lawyer, being in the geezer uh, area in which she specializes, has many horror stories to tell us of children who might have been well-meaning or not, not following through on the best care for their own parents, which made us even stop and think it might have been smarter for our parents to have made some of these arrangements for themselves, certainly saving me a lot of work and stress as I, as I thrashed it out. This is an unpleasant topic. You don't want to start thinking about when you want somebody 
somebody to pull the plug or um, who's going to pay your bills when you can't. But these are things that you need to think about and be proactive and make arrangements for. The pieces don't just fall into place unless you're incredibly lucky. And we don't want to keep anybody from getting on the road and traveling. And I would like to quote from this this email. And now they're talking about their neighbor. Their son rarely visits. Since we cook for my parents on weekends, it's no big deal to add an extra cook for them. The wife has been diagnosed with late stage lung cancer and maybe has six months left. Dad is a Knoxville police officer. I've had to grab him more than once lately to stop a fall. The last original neighbors from from when we moved 40 years ago are gone. We help wherever we can, but we don't want to have to rely on that, so we're setting up a plan. And there are actually companies that will take care of your financial and medical needs as you become more and more disabled. And we're setting up a trust, which makes sure that we have uh, our wishes are being adhered to, and hopefully this will take us into the future. So that has been our summer. We have been busy, busy, busy. Going to meetings. Feels like I'm back at work. Last month we talked about <laughs> something. I, I I kind of thought this was a little bit crazy too, and that's where to connect up your the hitch. Well, where where the to breakaway wire? Oh yeah, there the you breakaway. go. Breakaway. Last month we talked uh, uh, about an article that uh, recommended that you not connect up your breakaway wire to your hitch. Which seems like a crazy thing. That's where Not we have to, ours. That's where we've always had ours, and I always and they had a picture of hooking up an eye screwed into your license plate because that would be permanently attached to your RV. And I thought, well, that's not a bad idea, but I can't imagine me ever really needing that. And lo and behold, this month we get an article <laughs> with a very strange picture, which I want you to look at on our website. Um, I've taken the picture and put it there, and it's a picture of an airstream. Which looks like it's in the middle of the forest, about ready to take off and fly away. Um, and it has obviously rolled back and is sitting on trees. And if it wasn't for those trees... It would have kept rolling. It would, not only would it have kept rolling, but it would have completely destroyed this airstream. And you think, how the hell did this happen? And it happened... The photo shows it was stopped by a small tree. So what happened? Her hitch weld failed and detached from her truck. There's one thing that would have stopped the accident, her breakaway switch. But the thing is, she did have it connected to the truck. So why didn't it work? It didn't work because it was connected as typically instructed to the hitch. In other words, the breakaway switch was connected to the hitch. The hitch broke off from the truck, and the whole trailer just rolled backwards. Well, when your hitch detaches, the breakaway goes with it, effectively rendering it useless. The secret is to attach the breakaway to something on the truck, not to the hitch. In doing so, you could save a lot of heartache and money. I've never heard of a problem with this, but this picture is very dramatic, and you're going to say, how the hell did the person back up into the woods like that with the wheels off the ground? And that's how it happened. So all of you have some sort of breakaway. You either tow a trailer, you tow a car, you tow something, and I guess... Hitches can become disconnected. Everything breaks. And I've heard about uh, wells breaking, and I've heard about the bolts becoming loose and the hitch coming off. 
But boy, this is scary. Should you have two switches then? No, because it could the, your license plate holder thing could come loose too. Mm, that would be very unlikely. Okay. <laughs> I used to think hitches breaking. Have away you seen would be license plates? Just yeah, but they're not built to hold a, a trailer. Okay, so my wife says. <laughs> I'm just trying to envision this. Yeah, you've got that hook and eye on your. License. This could be a new business. We could have the breakaway switcher. But then you've got this nice big fifth wheel. Maybe people could send in. Comp- we could have a little competition a where they could send in a design competition for the Any new, new breakaway system out there. Anyway, you're going to want to look at this picture because it's very dramatic. And, and think, if you don't want to look at the picture, it's still an idea which you need to consider. And think about your setup and what happens if the place where your breakaway switch is connected to breaks away. <laughs> I've thought about I've thought about this many times. It never occurred to me that the so hitch would come off. Yeah. Not come come off. Break. Yeah. And this person, obviously the trailer rolled backwards into the woods. And she hadn't done that. She hadn't done anything. Well, she couldn't do Yeah, she hadn't so done anything wrong. It wasn't her fault. No. It wasn't a maintenance thing or anything like that. So the question comes up, do you really need a toad? Do we need to tow anything? I do. Why? Because I would hate to go anywhere with that honking big house. I've read a number of people who say, oh, I'm not going to get a toad. I'm going to use Uber or Or Enterprise. And I just don't see that as a viable option. If you're thinking about buying a motorhome, get a toad. Again, if you just go to one place and stay there, you could probably rent a car while you are there. But if you're a traveler, if you're a gypsy the way we are, it just would not be practical. And often campgrounds are not very near towns. That's because you're camping. And to go grocery shopping on your bicycle, it just doesn't seem very practical to me. No, I agree. So bottom line is we strongly recommend that you get a toad, whether you tow it on a dolly or whether you just do it four wheels down. And understand that you cannot just tow any old vehicle four down, that it takes uh, certain vehicles can be towed four down and some can't. So you need to pay attention by looking uh, in the owner's manual to decide whether it can be towed four down. And you really can't tell by looking at them because some can and some can't. And even some smart cars can be towed four down. My understanding is the C-Max could be towed four down, and that's an electric vehicle. So definitely recommend getting a towed. And, and everybody has a car, so you can either put it on a dolly or just uh, and why not tow it? I just don't see any reason why not. I think people might be worried that that makes them even longer. Yeah. Yes. I, people are overly concerned about that. Or that it's hard that. to get around a corner. Or? Yeah. No, from our perspective, you don't even know it's back there. It's just well, that's hanging off. Well, driving and, a honking big boy. But most of the motorhomes are much bigger than the Toad. But if you were so, dri- driving a Mini Winnie or something? I don't think it would be. I don't know. Maybe some of our listeners could give us some ideas about uh, their experiences with Toad. Most people just don't seem to have a problem with it once they get it, once they wrap their brain around it. And I don't know whether it's an expense issue. Maybe it doesn't cause much gas mileage issues. Now, another question about your rv um an email says i spent the winter in a non-four season camper and it was a freezing nightmare next one i have will be an have the all weather package be careful though because there is a lot of four season claimed by rvs that are really suck and might be not four season compatible so four seasons i don't think there is such a thing (laughs) well four seasons means you follow the 70s (laughs) 
when when we had our Montana fifth wheel and we inadvertently found ourselves in snow, I was incredibly cold. And when we bought our first motorhome, which had thermopane windows and apparently much better insulation, I was pleasantly surprised that we would be in pretty cold temperatures yes. and I would be fairly comfortable. Right. That's as much as I would say. I mean, f- camping for four seasons doesn't make sense to me unless I mean, if I was a skier. You still have to get water into your rig somehow. Yeah, well, that's a different issue. But is your rig designed for four seasons? And maybe it doesn't mean below zero four seasons, but it means below freezing. (laughs) You have to be careful what they mean by four season. It will not freeze if it's not 32, so you don't have to worry about that. Illinois seasons, I guess. But if you are thinking about camping in cold weather, there are some things that you need to look at. And I think most people think about insulation. And to me, that's not the most important factor. The windows. The windows are the number one factor to consider when you are looking at a sealed RV. And that means thermopane windows, double-pane windows. Um, that That makes a huge difference in how the rig seems to be in the winter. Is it warm or is it drafty? The thermopane windows will make a big difference. And, and I would say the heat distribution system, too. I was going to mention that. Well, when in our, our, our Montana, it seemed like you could overheat because you were near where the heat came out, and then you'd move three feet and you'd be freezing because the heat didn't really get over there. Yeah. I remember we had a, an electric space heater to kind of supplement yeah. where our current motorhome is much more evenly heated. And that's because we have the Oasis system, which more evenly distributes the heat. It doesn't have a central heating system that that squirts out the heat in all directions and relies on just kind of convection to distribute the heat. This has registers that are in different locations, which are all heated and create warm air. So uh, having a distribution system for your furnace is very important. And, of course, same thing for the air conditioning. The air conditioning should be ducted. And that means that it doesn't have the central unit that uh, sprays all the cold air right from that central unit. It's ducted and has vents in the ceiling which will distribute the cold air. And closed underbelly. Distribute the warm air. Well, with air conditioners, it's cold air. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about four seasons. Summer is is the season. (laughs) Hello. As it's 90 degrees outside right now, this is a time when you need... The extra air conditioning. Yep. Okay. So she's on board here, ladies and gentlemen. No, she's was, tuned in. I was reading ahead in the notes. Sorry. <laughs> so you need a, an enclosed underbelly, which means that the pipes, all of your pipes are enclosed in a heated space, and that underbelly needs to be heated so that the pipes don't freeze. And you frequently have traps in your sinks. You have water pipes that are going uh, here, there, and everywhere, and they all need to be in some sort of heated space so that they don't freeze. And Ours are called heat pads. What does that mean? Well, your tanks can have heat pads. As for very cold weather, you need some way to keep the water in your tanks from freezing. Ooh. Heating pads can come in either 12 volt or 120. Uh, 12 volt would suck your batteries, so most of them are 120. So that when you're plugged in, you turn them on, and they don't heat the water, but they keep it from freezing. Whether it's in your in your waste tanks or <laughs> can you imagine? We have frozen poop, and we can't. Poop <laughs> we A poop can't. Berg. <laughs> 
<laughs> and we, we, and we can't, can't get out. <laughs> Which could happen. Yeah. You see lots and lots of RVs going down the road where all of the pipes are just exposed right yes. underneath, which yes. is fine if you're a, a weekend camper. If you're not camping in, in cold weather, that's fine. Even then, though, I think they're vulnerable to... Well, or traffic cones that you inadvertently drive yeah, over. Yeah, all sorts or, of stuff. Well, that, that but that's a different issue. I think an enclosed broken belly broken tiger tires that are laying there like alligators. And you need to have a an enclosed water closet where you hook up all the hoses. And if you want to have a heated hose for the water, that'll keep your water running. If you want to have a heated poop hose run, that's fine too. But that's external to your RV. What size furnace do you have? Ours is 15,000 BTUs, which is plenty for us. Um, but you need to have a, b- a big enough one uh, that will handle that, uh, handle the size rig that you have and will get the heat to the where you want it. Any lightweight RV is not going to be Four Seasons rated. I don't care. You can't make it lightweight. Adding weight, like windows, adds a lot of weight to the to the RV, and it's going to cost you extra money. So if you want the Four Seasons package... Think about what el- what everything is that you need to have uh, happening there. So insulation is important, but there are a number of other factors which are, are critical to four-season RVing. What's next? I want to talk to you a little bit about a book that I read recently that I found a moving experience and that I thought might be interesting to other RVers. It's called Nomad Land by Jessica Bruder, B-R-U-D-E-R. In all the years we've been camping, I've definitely been aware of the fact that there are people who are working on the road um, because they have to or because they want to. Uh, Some of the jobs seem to be incredibly enjoying from what some of our listeners, enjoyable from what some of our listeners have told us. And I've been aware that those people are out there. We interviewed a couple who um, were listeners of ours who put in a lengthy stint at Christmas time work camping at Amazon and they were um, domiciled in a campground nearby and worked their butts off helping Amazon get ready for the Christmas crowds. But this book painted a far less rosy picture of it, I guess, than than I had gotten the impression of from the people that I have spoken to that I've noticed that were doing this. And I think will make me a lot more sensitive to the people that are camped alongside me that do not have the wherewithal that we have and are living hand-to-mouth and very vulnerable as poor people in our country today are. Uh, One thing that really shocked me in the book, uh, when I've gone to state parks and federal facilities, often work campers have checked me in, and you can see them buzzing around in their golf carts and raking the leaves. And one thing I didn't realize is how with private uh, companies being their employers rather than the states themselves, that many of these people are vulnerable to um, being jerked around. Uh, The main woman in this story uh, signs a contract with somebody to work a 40-hour week, and she budgets accordingly because she doesn't have much money. And then in the middle of the season, they decide that they haven't had enough foot traffic and they can't afford her, and they just cut her loose. And she is suddenly without any income um, and can't be there anymore, can't live there anymore. And then, of course, the the chapter about Amazon was, was quite depressing to read as well. Uh, the people that we interviewed were fairly young and were camping close to Amazon in a fairly comfortable situation, and even they talked about how much weight they lost having to um, be on foot and run around for so many hours every day. But I didn't realize that Amazon hires many work campers, so many work campers, and I assume this is even going to get worse and worse, that they can't 
put in campgrounds very close to where the facility is, and some of them have to commute an hour and a half <gasps> each way Whoa. after they've put in a 12-hour day running around the factory, um, loading up the boxes and unloading trucks and all the things that those workers have to do. Many of the people who work in these facilities are closer to my age than I can imagine. And how um, old is that? Many of them, we already said, I'm, I'm 70. <laughs> oh, ancient! Many of them, I think, uh, fell into dire financial straits during the Depression uh, in 2008 and nine, uh, when many people in their late 40s, early 50s lost their well-paying jobs unexpectedly and were never able to pick themselves up and get going again. Nobody wanted to hire them anymore at that point. So I guess one of my um, takeaways from this Nomad Land book is that many of your fellow campers are not necessarily camping because they want to be or because it's enjoyable. Uh, they're camping out of necessity. I, I hope I can be a little more sensitive to those people. Um, some of them have to work at night. That's the only job they can get. And when the campground is loud and noisy during the day yeah. with families out playing, Playing and laughing and shrieking, uh, that makes life so very, very difficult for them. Many of these people spend a somewhat more enjoyable winter in Quartzite, where we certainly have noticed uh -huh. them. There are many people who live there on next to nothing because next to nothing is all that they have and that there's a sizable population in our country that is homeless and chooses to RV because it's the most economical way to live not because they're and doing why do it I want to read this for book? fun it was very eye-opening to me uh, uh -huh. I think it'll make me more sensitive and observant to the people mm -hmm. who are camped around me that everybody isn't like you yeah um, they're not there it broadens your horizons by choice right it, it's just the people have other choices that they've had to made. Right, make. it's perhaps the most economical way to live. It was an eye-opening experience for me, and so. I certainly get that from reading lots of Facebook posts that people are stretched and yes. they're looking for an economical way to live. They have <laughs> these days student debt that they have to they're amortize, still paying and they for, have to even pay though for. they were students thirty years ago, or for their kids. We want to be good neighbors to our fellow campers and realize that they're not all coming from the same place that we are. Beep, 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 beep. Now we have some breaking news on the RV Navigator. RVs longer than 19 feet cannot camp at national parks. Is that true? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but time and time again, you read posts from people who are buying an RV and saying, I want to camp in the national park so I can't have an RV more than 25 feet or I can't have an RV more than 30 feet or I have to have it at 19 feet. And they're just so concerned that they won't be able to park at or go to any national park without uh, with a vehicle of a, of a certain length. So they're buying these micro RVs so that they can stay in national parks. Now, what has your experience been as a typical camper? I don't know how typical I am. <laughs> There's never as a, as a as a passenger in a 43 foot motorhome. There's never been a national park that we have wanted to visit that we haven't been able to visit, even though we are Bingo. very large. Um, what can more likely happen is there are fairly few, if any, uh, campsites within the national park that are a large enough or b have the water electricity sewer that we prefer because when we go somewhere we stay for more Much than a more. weekend. But certainly once you get outside the immediate boundary of the national park, literally, there within are numerous feet of the entrance private campground owners that are happy to take your money and put provide you, up. you with as big a space as you would ever need need 
If you want to go there, you can go, no matter how big you are. Exactly. Um, do not buy your RV thinking that it's going to fit into the national parks, or it won't fit into the national parks. Uh, there's a very interesting article, which I'm going to provide a link to because it's much too long, that's called RVing the National Parks, Top Tips for RV for Those with RV Hookups. And one of the things they mention here is that only 13 national parks have either full or partial utility connections for RVs. And to me, much more important than getting into the park is having hookups. Because if you want to spend a few days at the, uh, at the national park, you want to have hookups. And with only 13 of the 130 national parks, you want to have hookups. To me, this is really part of the civil war within our community, which is the people who want to camp in the old pristine, have a campfire, lay under the stars under a blanket sort of experience. And those of us who have gotten soft and want to spend lengthy periods of times on the road in comfort and yes. live pretty much like we do at home. Well, I don't even think in comfort. I think even the smallest RVer... And wants to have hookups so that they can do the things they or they they do with ease. But that's uh, not camping. So, yes, it's not camping, but it is camping. But it's a different kind of camping than you would expect in the national parks. If you go into the national parks, you're not going to find hookups of any kind. So you're going to be boondocking, and even with solar panels, you may have a, a problem because many of them are wooded. So you got to think about whether you really want to stay in the national parks. Or in the state parks. Now, we have stayed in state parks in every, I don't know, almost every state. Texas, uh, Florida. We all just, over the country. We just stayed in Wisconsin, Washington, Michigan, Oregon, Washington. Montana, all over the country. We've stayed in state parks with our rig uh, without any real problems. The size of your rig is not really much of a factor. I would say that our size bothered me the most when we were in the Northeast, Yes. Um, because those campgrounds, just like the Northeast overall, is older. And many of them were built when RVs were not as big as they are today. And so I, yeah. I think overall, if I was going to say we had problems, it was more in that part of the country. And even then, we always found somewhere of to course. camp wherever we wanted We've to go. We've stayed in Acadia National Park. We've gone all the way into Canada, stayed on all the parks up the there. The provincial parks. The provincial parks there. We've been on the Outer Banks, uh, Kitty Hawk, and all the places in that area all the way up and down the east coast, all the way up and down the west coast. So that just the size is not really that much of an issue. And so I would not buy your RV based on your interest in going to the national parks. Now, just as a, an interesting factor, we have stayed in the national park with our motorhome and hookups in Yellowstone National Park, Tetons National Park, and in Grand Canyon they have a very nice campground in the full hookup campground in Didn't the Grand in Canyon. Zion too with and we stayed in Zion, but there were no hookups. But the, the sites were certainly plenty big, big yeah, for us. Yeah. And we are going to be just outside of Glacier National Park next 4th of July. We have our reservation already for next for the next year. So we're going to be just outside of Glacier. So all the big national parks have facilities that will accommodate any size RV. Don't hesitate to use them, I would say. They're expensive. No question about it. But it's expensive anyway. 
And no matter what kind of an RV you have that's bigger, if it's a trailer, you can drop it, and then you just drive around in the park with your truck. Uh, if you're like us, you leave your motorhome in the campground, and you drive around in your toad. And I think the roads within the national parks are a lot easier to handle and manipulate through if you're in a smaller vehicle at that point. The Ultimate Guide to RV Upgrades. This is kind of another interesting article, which you'll find, of course, on our uh, webpage. Fortunately, there are plenty of ways to customize your RV to allow it to more perfectly meet your own personal needs and wants. To help you reach the end result you want, whether you are creating your own RV from scratch or customizing a model that you own, here's a list of do-it-yourself hacks and upgrades that you should consider. Now, which ones would you consider? Upgrade to the LEDs. We've done that. That's have, essential. Yes, which is one of those factors that uh, few people consider that the standard light bulbs create a lot of heat, which in the summertime can put a low extra load on your air conditioner. Solar. Is it cost effective? It's nice to have. Solar? Yeah. Well, when you're all electric like us, I think it's essential. It's nice to have. Because yeah. you have to keep those batteries charged up, especially to keep your refrigerator running. So I never worry about our refrigerator running down the batteries with when we have the solar panels that keep that offset the refrigerator. And you've got the energy management system with the solar panels, but that's not essential, no, no, right? That's a separate thing. Uh, that has nothing to do with it. With solar. With the solar. Uh, a stove. You mean a stove exterior? No, I mean a stove. An induction an cooktop? Induction, is that what is you that mean? customizing? Uh-huh. Worth it? Well, yes, because I'm always bitching and moaning when it's time to cook that I don't have enough juice to make the three items that are in my typical meal, <laughs> plus coffee. So, having, so having an induction cooktop that takes less electricity mm -hmm. um, was a good upgrade for so us. A good customization. Um, but if you have propane and you cook on that, that's yeah. less of a problem, I would think. Composting toilet. I don't know what that. Why you would have that? Unless you're very doesn't use any water. Eco sounds gross. <laughs> sounds smelly, but so we haven't done that. But you might want to consider it. Well, these people that boondock a quartzite for a month on end. Well, yeah, that would be a good idea. Well, if you're thinking about boondocking yeah. for an extended period of time, that might be a good idea. TVs. It's an upgrade. Doesn't every rig come? No, Charlie's didn't come with a TV, did it? No, and they don't have a lot of uh, the older rigs have old TVs. Those big heavy the ones. The big heavy ones. The new TVs are very light. And even buying one of the newer ones, the LCD with the fluorescent tubes behind it is much more energy Efficient? wasteful. No, less oh. than LCD LED with the lighting is provided by LEDs. So this... It's part of the LED upgrade, isn't it? Yeah. So the new TVs with very small bezels, you get a lot more picture, and they use a lot less electricity. So that, to me, is, is definitely worth it. And the last one I have is a shower head. I'm glad you replaced ours. Very much so. I'm not a person who has to shower for hours on end, but I like a nice, strong, forceful shower. And when you're at the end of a garden hose, sometimes it doesn't feel very forceful. Well, and I like the one and I like the, that has a big circle, so it has a lot of water. I like a rain shower. Uh -huh. We At home, we have a rain shower, so that's uh, easy to put in. It Just some of the customizing ideas, and this uh, article has a bunch more makes the things that you can do to make, the water your, that to make your RV more user-friendly for you. More comfortable to be in. Yes.
Something that you see a lot in campgrounds is um, these magnetic maps or decal <laughs> maps that people put on their rigs and paste in the states that they've been to. I see long, long discussions on Facebook about can you count a state if you've only <laughs> driven through it and you haven't lived Who in it. Like there are rules for this state map display, but apparently there's no even a, a map that is electronic, right? That you can put yes, online. This, and you, you can tick off the state. Well, you could print it if you wanted to, or you could just put it on your website or part of your Facebook something or other. But this is a makes the colored states map based on the places that you've been, and of course you can update it at will. And, and it. And the states you've been to are defined by however you want to define it. Now, how does our state map look? Pretty full. Complete. Yes. All 49 for us. And I haven't made out the one for for Canada and, and Mexico. Mexico. But ours would be pretty full for there, too. So if you are interested in having the bragging rights of having been to lots of states, then here's the place where you put it. To me, the conundrum is if we had started a decal on our first rig, then you have to... <gasps> Move it to the next rig. What are I don't the rules think they're really Is it where the where the oh, rig has it, been, or oh. where you've been? Well, this there is, are no rules. This it's is however you want it to be. This is the map that we have. Where is, we've been. Yes. Our motorhome hasn't been to all those states. How many of us is our motorhome? I haven't been? thought about it. Not that is many. The, is this illegal now? <laughs> there are no rules. <laughs> it's however you want it to be. I'm I'm driving on an illegal map. <laughs> You're bragging about things you shouldn't be bragging about. Oh, no! <laughs> what am I going to do? Oh, the world is coming to an end, ladies and gentlemen. Well, because it's on a computer, you can probably fix it once you figure out which uh, states I I, you I haven't, haven't been to. I haven't kept track on this with this with motorhome in the last five years. Uh-oh. We've owned it five years this We can month. go on my blog and figure it out. Oh, no. <laughs> I have to cut things out? Up okay. to you. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm speaking very quietly because I have something to whisper into your ears. But I'm still here. <laughs> but there is a very cool new movie site that allows you to download movies current in the movie theater movies. Is this illegal? It's on the web. <laughs> that doesn't mean it's illegal. I'm just passing along a website that you might want to take a look at. I was watching Lion King. Oh, that just came out. And... They have the, the new one, Quentin Tarantino. Does this Tarant come from China? Quentin Tarantino movie. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that one? Yeah. It's, it's Does on, this come from China? It's it's on. Or North Korea? right now. You can download it and watch it. You can see all these, these cool new movies just by going to this website. This is called popcorntime.is. Where's IS? Someplace else. <laughs> P-O-P... C-O-R-N-T-I-M-E, one word, dot I-S. Free current movies. The best movie app. And here you were worried about being legal on what <laughs> states you were putting on your map. <laughs> and you're watching movies without paying for them. Well, people want to watch, want to do streaming while they're on the road. It has TV shows and all sorts of other things. I was hmm. very... It just pops up on your web browser, so hmm. take a look at it. Hmm. Hmm. Are we going to get sued now? I'm just passing along a information information about a website. That's all I'm doing. Nothing else at all. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, we will say goodbye for another month. 
we will be off spanning thousands of miles as we get on the airplane to head to Quito, Ecuador. And by next month at this time, we will be home, ready to speak to you again and regale you with stories of our travels and also... Oh, we're going to have the pictures. Are we? (laughs) I'm only taking four cameras. (laughs) (laughs) No clothing, just camera. My suitcase does have quite a few cameras and... Not yeah. much clothing. <laughs> but I'm a little body, so I don't need much to uh-huh. cover it. <laughs> so with that. We bid you a fond adieu. Fond adieu. And no, we ho- adios. We're going to Galapagos. Adios. And we will not see you in a campground near us, but in the not-too-distant future, we will be camping in upstate New York. And so we will be uh, looking for you there in a campground near us. And I hope t- that you will stop in and say hello. So bye for now. Happy travels. Happy travels.